Hello, good evening. Hello, good evening. Welcome to our Board of Education meeting for August 26th. Our first item on the agenda is the Pledge of Allegiance, and we're honored to have the students of McAuliffe Elementary lead us in the pledge. Please rise. Great job, thank you. Mr. Orr, would you like to introduce our guests? Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Yes, I would. Uh, first of all, thank you for having us here tonight. This is an, a, a great honor and we've really enjoyed it. Um, this group, I I'll explain real quick who this group is. At Krista I'm, my name is Michael Orr. I'm the principal at Krista McAuliffe Elementary. And one of the things that we do in our building, and I know that it's done a lot around the district, is we do uh, vertical families where every staff member in the building has a, a family of kids from kindergarten through sixth grade. So the kids that are represented here are, are from kindergarten through sixth grade. These happen to be my family members right here, my astronaut family. Uh, we meet once a month. And we do. We we really try to uh, increase the the building culture and the building community with this with this effort. So we meet once a month. We do a fun activity. The kids get to know each other from different grade levels. Some of our older kids work with some of our younger kids in different aspects in the building. But the thing that I've heard the most about this over the last year that we've been doing it is the number of parents who have talked to me and said, "My child has seen somebody from their." astronaut family out in public who they did not have any idea who they were before they started this and they've made those connections too. So not only are we looking at families within the building and culture within the building, it's also spreading out into the community too. So it's really great. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have them introduce themselves and tell what grade they're in. My name is Brooke and Brooke Shanahan and I and I'm in second grade. My name is Jonathan and I'm in second grade. My name is Madeline Williams, and I'm in fourth grade. My name is Lillian Williams, and I'm in fourth grade. My name is Gianna, and I'm in... My name is Gianna Shadel, and I am in first grade. My name is Lena Cropper, and I'm in fifth grade. Hello, my name is Nathan Mistel, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Kaden Breeze, and I'm third grade. Great job, thank you. Thank you for being here tonight. Looks like we have some other students that are here, uh, and typically they're not here just out of curiosity. Uh, usually they're here for some other reason. So do we have any students here that are part of a, a class that started, and there's a requirement for their student government class if you want to raise your hand. There they are, getting a good jump on things, good job. And how about from our scouting programs? Anyone here from the scouting programs? Thank you for being here. Welcome. Great. Uh, with that, we'll move on to our agenda. And the first item on the agenda is the adoption of the agenda. I'll seek a motion to adopt or amend. Uh, Mr. Stratton, I'd like to pull um, 501 and 502, which are two policies that were for second readings tonight. And I'll explain later in my board report why. Okay, thank you. Second the motion. Thank you, it's been moved and seconded to adopt with the items 501 and 502 removed from this agenda. Okay. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. 
Thank you. Adopt, the agenda is adopted. With that, uh, I'll seek a motion to approve the minutes of our special meeting of August 12th. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. We move on to the minutes of the regular meeting of August 12th. I'll seek a motion. So moved. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Now we move on to item 2.01, the superintendent's report. Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you. Great to see everybody out this evening. I want to start off with sharing a, a, an item regarding the BioNexus KC recognition. Katie Swan, a Shawnee Mission South junior, created an artistic representation of a science project she conducted to measure bacteria. It is now being featured as part of the BioNexus KC Science to Art platform. Her work will be featured at the Kemper Museum of Contemporary Art and at an upcoming BioNexus KC annual dinner. The project was conducted as part of a Biology One course with James Wanamaker, Shawnee Mission South science teacher. She also worked with an external mentor, Dr. Carl Gilhouse, a principal scientist and national expert in infectious diseases at MRI Global. So congratulations to Katie. Kansas Commissioner of Education, Dr. Randy Watson, announced that Shawnee Mission Northwest is one of 10 schools in the state to be recognized for the civic engagement opportunities they offer students. Shawnee Mission Northwest is being recognized not just for courses offered, but also for the many ways students are engaged in community service and extracurricular offerings. Congratulations to Shawnee Mission Northwest. The National PTA is recognizing several Shawnee Mission schools for strong family school relationships. Belinder Elementary PTA, East Antioch Elementary PTA, Tomahawk Elementary PTA, Indian Hills Middle School PTA, and Shawnee Mission East High School PTSA have earned the National PTA School of Excellence designation for 2019 through 2020. These five Shawnee Mission schools are among only seven in the state to earn this national recognition. We congratulate these school communities on this achievement. And I had the pleasure of meeting with PTA presidents and principals here at the CAA uh, this last week. And uh, we can't thank those individuals enough, on the members of the PTA, the officers, all the parents, students, and teachers who commit a lot of their time to making our school, our schools the best it can be for all students. So thank you uh, to all of them for their work. And then finally, uh, we have a 50th anniversary highlight. As you know, we're sharing historical information at each board meeting as part of our 50th year celebration. And as you may remember, last meeting, we talked about the opening of Shawnee Mission Rural High School. Tonight, we talk about Shawnee Mission East, which opened in 1958. As the school was opening, some community members advocated for the school to be named after Dr. Howard D. McEachin, the acting superintendent. Dr. McEachin was adamant to brand Shawnee Mission as a school district of excellence. He wanted colleges and universities to know students from Shawnee Mission were excellent too. 
So the second high school opened with the name Shawnee Mission East High School. A little bit of a historical note. Thank you very much, and that concludes my report. Great, thank you. Any board members, any questions for the superintendent's report? All right, we move on to item 2.02, which is board reports tonight, and I'll turn to Mrs. Mack. Uh, any SMAC PTA update? Yes, well, Dr. Fulton alluded to it last Friday morning here in this room. The PTA principals, or presidents, and then the principals in, I think we had almost every building represented met here. And um, I think almost all of our Board of Education was there as well. It was a wonderful morning to get together and start the new year off. Great. Thank you. Mrs. Owsley, update on our foundation? Um, the Education Foundation breakfast is next week at 7 a.m. on September 5th, and Dr. Fulton will be speaking, and we'll be hearing all about the district for the upcoming year. Great. And uh, I'm hearing that it's at a sellout or near a sellout, so <coughs> call in if you hadn't arranged your tickets already. Um, Reverend Guy, KASB, coming back from your first full board meeting. Yes, I had uh, orientation last Friday afternoon for the new board members, and then my first board meeting was Saturday uh, out in Topeka at the KASB headquarters. Um, most of the, well, we met with the legislative committee first, and I saw let um, Dr. Sinclair talk about what the legislative committee talked about. But um, during the board time, we had a presentation um, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but KASB is offering now, uh, one of their workshops is on uh, school safety. And that's become very important and very popular, especially among the smaller school districts who don't have the resources that we have um, here. And so they have already uh, booked up, I think, their first class, and they're, they're going to be offering several others. So he was just t walking us through um, what they're going to teach in that class and um, how they are going to use the Virginia Student Threat Assessment Protocol. So I got to learn more about that. And um, so uh, anyway, that was very interesting, and I, I applaud KASB for knowing what it is that school districts want to know about and then fashioning these workshops to address those needs. Along those same lines, now they have taken their marketing department and looked at all the workshops that they offer and see what needs those different workshops address. And so now they're um, putting them under umbrellas about the different needs that these workshops are addressing, which is going to make it easier for us when we're looking for specific workshops on specific topics to go in and find that umbrella. Um, are we interested in post-secondary needs or in student safety and wellness, um, in governance, whatever it might be, we can look and see all of the workshops are going to be offering in the next year, all of the locations where those workshops are going to be offered, and then hopefully one or more of us can attend those different workshops as, as we are able. And then, of course, in December is going to be the annual conference, and so they're already talking about what's going to be offered there, and they're, they're looking at possibly changing that schedule. They've been getting feedback from people that early December is a difficult time for a lot of people to attend a two-and-a-half-day conference. They're also looking at different ways they might do the delegate voting, possibly going to online for that, so all of these conversations are ongoing. Um, so it was a great first meeting, and got to meet lots of great people from around the state, and I think that's it. Great. 
Thank you for that update. And I'm now realizing that we've got visitors that probably this is their first school board meeting. And so we're throwing around acronyms like crazy already here. So uh, to give you a quick update, so KASB is the Kansas Association of School Boards. So that's our state organization of all school boards across the state to which Reverend Guy is a representative that represents us. And earlier we got an update from Mrs. Mack on SMAC, PTA. It's not a wrestling term. It's, a, uh, <laughs> it's the Shawnee Mission Area Council of PTA. So I want to make sure that everyone knew what those were. And with that, I'll turn to Dr. Sinclair for update on the uh, government group within KSB. So the legislative committee met um, all day Saturday, and we actually covered a pretty wide breadth of topics and issues. Um, let me speak to the process first. Uh, so the committee gets together and reviews the standing platform of the Kansas Association of School Boards and um, identifies at this meeting on Saturday um, a number of uh, uh, issues that might be coming up in the pending legislative session, both at the state and federal level. Um, and from the work that we did on Saturday, the, the staff at KSB then will prepare somewhat of a survey, kind of a, a, a summary of the issues that we discussed around each um, uh, legislative potential legislative issue. And we'll then roll those out in regional meetings over the next couple of months prior to the next meeting in November. So the, uh, let the school boards from across the state will have an opportunity to weigh in on what was discussed on the kind of potential issues for the coming year. So uh, it, just to identify a list of top, you know, kind of the range of things that we talked about, um, uh, we, the meeting was opened with a summary of the uh, regional conversations that happened over the summer, and um, those uh, committee groups, um, board members across the state, um, probably number one on their issue was special education funding, which is something that we've been talking about and has been on our legislative platform. Mental health concerns, Medicaid expansion, bullying, funding pre-K, issues around vaping, um, the retirement, the CAPER system. So there was kind of a range of issues. Um, then we kind of really dug into those and we heard reports from uh, some of the task forces that have been gathered legislatively or through the uh, leadership through the State Department of Education from the state level and how that might impact the session. So that included the, um, the upcoming at-risk audit that the state will hear, or the, the state legislators will hear in January. Um, the bullying task force, vaping task force, some issues around bus drivers and um, unemployment insurance. Um, immigrant children in detention centers, the non-discrimination policy for LGBTQ students, and that was really wrapped into our conversation around the bullying task force. Um, I would say over half the issues on our legislative platform came up through the conversation, as well as those that I heard you know, from last year's legislative platform, and then um, from those that individually that I received from you all we, that was infused into the conversation as well. Thank you. What's the timeline as to when the, the final platform it's developed and then so it the goes data, to the floor in right. December? Thank you. So the data will be collected. Feedback will be collected over the next couple of months. We meet again November 2nd, I believe it's that Saturday. And then um, we make kind of final revisions then, present them again in December, and then they're presented to the delegation before the January session kicks off. Great. 
Thank you for that summary and for mm -hmm. representing us with that group. And now uh, turn- One more comment. Yes, yes please go ahead. Um, Reverend Guy's comment about um, the tobacco policy and the, um, the use of the patches and whether or not that would constitute a nicotine delivery spurred a very lively conversation. <laughs> yep. Turn to uh, Mrs. Goodburn for an update from the Policy Review Committee. I'm first going to update from KASB my assignment, which is the nominating committee. Um, it's a it's a short term, very short term, actually one meeting, um, and that meeting's happening September 7th, FYI. So I'll be in Topeka, like you all were this last weekend. I'll be up there that Saturday at 9 a.m. for my meeting for the nominating committee. Now I will turn to. Um, the policy review committee. So um, we did pull those, I pulled those policies today, um, in part so for, from some information from our last meeting um, that Reverend Guy brought up that um, uh, Dr. Sinclair was able to talk a little bit to the KASB people this weekend about, and it was something that they hadn't really thought of, I guess, or had never really come up. So um, I, and I subsequently had a conversation today with a friend of mine who's a doctor who deals with this actual the subject and so I think it would be prudent for us I pulled the policies because I want to look to see I want us to look to see if we need to put some kind of exception in there for students or staff that might be going through some kind of a smoking cessation program that would cause them to have to use a nicotine delivery system that is FDA approved like the patches and I think that there's there could be easily written into our policy potentially. So we will take our next policy committee meeting and potentially just uh, fill that crack in and bring that back to you all. I would assume at our next meeting some, or in a meeting in September if we don't get it done the first one. So that's why I pulled it. So you all know. Um, and um, other than that, I have. Uh, we have a couple other policies that are just cleaning up language and adding statutory changes and things today, so. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, with that, we'll move on to item 2.03, and this is our board finance report. Uh, board members have had an opportunity to review this in advance. Any presentation on that? Um, I'm gonna turn it over to Dr. Atha. Well, I'm gonna stand in for uh, Russ Knapp this evening. He has a, uh, uh, he has a finance, a, family commitment this evening and cannot be with us. Uh, as you know, the 2019-2020 budget was approved at our last meeting. This financial report before you this evening uh, reflects budget transactions through July 31st. With very little activity this month and there are no uh, anomalies to report to you this evening. Thank you, questions on the report? Thank you for the update. Uh, we now move to item 2.04, which is our public comment section, and we have someone that would like to speak tonight, so I'll read briefly the guidelines for that. Under public comment, uh, here are a few reminders that will help speakers have a constructive and positive experience when presenting comments to the board when making your remarks today. Uh, please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name, your city of residence, what school, you or your children may be attending and the name of any group organization you're representing. Uh, please limit your comments to three minutes and um, make your comments standing behind the podium. And generally, responses from the board during public comment are limited to clarifying questions. If there's something pertaining to the agenda tonight, the board president may ask the superintendent or designee to address the comments at that time. And with that, we'll invite our guest, Shoshana White. Come forward. Welcome. Thanks. I sound like Great. Thank you. 
Can you hear me? Um, I'm Shoshana White. I'm a sophomore at Shawnee Mission South, and I have five siblings. So I have three at, oh, I live in Overland Park. Um, I have three at Trailwood, one at Indian Woods, and one at Shawnee Mission South, so the whole range. And first, I'd like to give a shout out to the parents who spoke about iPad use at the last board meeting I went to. They're what inspired me to speak today. Um, I'm not going to give a spiel citing a lot of statistics about iPad use. I'm here to talk from my personal experience, the experience of my siblings, and the thoughts I've heard from my friends. I understand that kids need to be learning how to use unfiltered technology, but that skill shouldn't be developed in elementary school, and probably not in middle school either. Um, the time to start letting kids restrict themselves is high school. I'll walk through some issues I see in elementary school restrictions on iPads, but first I'd like to thank you for making the recommendation that kids not be on their iPads during indoor recess. Before I talk about the restrictions that I think are necessary, I'll give you a few examples as to what elementary school kids have access to on their iPads. In first grade at Trailwood, the children had an opportunity to see how chicks grew in an incubator. The teacher asked kids to find a picture of chicks on the internet and set it as their home screen. Boy, were we surprised when my sibling came home with a picture of two ladies in skimpy bikinis, chicks, as their home screen. I decided to get onto my brother's iPad to see just how much was available for these young children to access. I was horrified by what I saw. You could find pictures of any body part. You can look up cuss words and the definitions just come up. When I went online to take screenshots of what I found, to my surprise, the sites were blocked. I checked again later, and they weren't blocked. I'm not sure what happened. Maybe the VPN went in and out. But there's an easy hack to get around what's blocked, even when the VPN is up. All you have to do is spell it wrong. For example, I could look up P-E-N-U-S instead of... Another example... If you've ever played a band instrument, you know that there are fingering charts to show you where to put your fingers for each note. However, if you look up fingering and go to images, a fingering chart is not even close to the first thing that comes up. I provide you with a screenshot of what does come up in the papers. I don't have enough time to finish saying all my examples, but included in the papers I gave you is a list of some things that have happened just within my family. Imagine your child, your niece, your nephew, your grandchild, your friend being able to access all this material. It's not okay. And this is the tip of the iceberg. How are we going to change? Well, one way I think would be simple and effective is not to restrict sites at all. Instead of restricting sites that you don't want, simply allow the sites that you do want. Even if you think you've blocked every possible inappropriate thing a child could look up, there's almost always something more. If you allow, say, 100 sites that you think that are appropriate and educational tools, the chance that a kid will accidentally come across something that they don't need to see is slim to none. To conclude, I think that kids have access to way too many inappropriate things. The solution I propose is allowing appropriate sites instead of restricting inappropriate ones. Thank you for your time. Any questions? Thank you for being here. We appreciate your comments. I'll turn to the superintendent or board members. Any board members with any clarifying questions? Thank you very much, and thank, thank you for the support information. We appreciate it. With that, uh, wraps up our public comment section. And uh, so now we'll move on to the discussion items, which is 3.01, and we have a presentation. Dr. Fulton? Yes, I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Huppen and her team. Um, this involves a couple of items on our consent agenda. But they have some great information about how those items connect into our work. 
Dr. Hubbard. Thank you all for the opportunity to um, talk about teaching and learning. This group behind me, including myself, love that opportunity, so thank you for that. We want to talk just a little bit about two items that you're going to see tonight on the consent agenda, one being the McCrell walkthrough tool for classroom observations, and the second one being um, response to intervention professional learning for a group of school, uh, both teachers and leaders that would participate in professional learning. So. I want real quickly though to take this opportunity to talk about how these two things specifically tied to the strategic plan. So we've been, neither of these things are new. We've been working on them for a couple of years. And um, so it's part of our normal operating practice, but we really need to be better at it. So hence more professional learning for our staff and really create this more buy-in. So we've had pretty limited professional learning in response to intervention. We have a new handbook that has um, been utilized, being utilized in our schools, but we really need more people on board with us to get it um, implemented with fidelity. So Darren's gonna talk more specifically about that. And then the McCrell walkthrough tool, we have been using um, a, a system that we've done internally through both Google Forms and then through an app that a technology created for us. But the McCrell system gives us just better reporting data and a little more user-friendly in regards to walking into classroom, now what I would be able to do on my phone. So Kevin's gonna speak more to that. But I really wanna point out just real quickly how this ties to the strategic plan. And they're gonna talk more about that through the presentation. But just take the opportunity to talk about our five strategies and, and how these um, two tools specifically can relate to the, the five strategies, um, three particularly, and, and really a fourth if you push it just a little bit. And then it really, both of these tools align directly to the three objectives that we're trying to improve for kids. So personalized learning, um, college and career readiness, and then interpersonal skills. So with that, I'm gonna turn it over to Darren to talk more specifically about response to intervention. Thank you. Uh, as you probably know, RTI stands for Response to Intervention, and it is a process. It is not an instructional strategy in and of itself. Uh, very, very basically, the idea is that we are screening students on specific skills that we've identified that they need to know. And then we've created a system around them to make sure that they get those skills, including intervention if they need additional time and support. This is, as Dr. Hubbard said, not new to Shawnee Mission. We've had a version of RTI or MTSS for a number of years. Um, what is new is that we have attended some training about 16 months ago that helped us rethink and refine our process in Shawnee Mission uh, so that we could, uh, could improve it. We took a team to Des Moines where we spent about three days really intensively looking and studying uh, the RTI process and thinking about what, how it applied here in Shawnee Mission. And when we came back, we put together a handbook, we defined more clearly what RTI means here in that process, and then we put an implement, implementation plan together, uh, which included professional development. And so the first year, last year of that handbook, we spent a great deal of time working with principals uh, throughout the school year on that process and in that handbook. It was really built around this uh, book that's on the screen, Taking Action, which is directly aligned to the RTI model that we, uh, that we developed. And uh, we, we trained with administrators. We also worked with coaches, instructional coaches, and um, uh, innovation specialists. The really key thing about this particular book is that it is a step-by-step -step guide to take a school 
into the RTI process successfully. And so uh, we, we've really worked hard with principals to help them get through that process to build the culture and then build the system to help students be successful. We're doing this because we know that RTI works. There's an extensive research base around RTI. Uh, you may be familiar with John Hattie. Dr. Fulton has, has cited him several times. He's done a number of uh, meta-analyses on factors that influence student learning. And response to intervention is his fourth highest rated factor. I won't go into, into the explanation of how his effect size works, but it's the fourth most effective strategy that he found. And so we, we strongly believe that this is an effective tool, uh, an effective process that we need to improve in our schools opportunity to talk about the response to intervention model and I also want to recognize we have Mrs. Lord from Mill Creek and Ash from Briarwood because we continuously um, talk about the training for principals they were obviously a key part of that training last year they've also been in the district to know that the shift in how we approach response to intervention has shifted greatly because the triangle used to be the other way around. And so um, through our learning, we understand um, that we really need to focus on that tier one instruction. And what that means is that we give all students access to priority grade level standards with the expectation that all students will master grade level priority standards so they are college and career ready. And then we look at tier two, which is when we have students that need additional time to master those grade level priority standards or need um, additional intervention or enrichment and extension that we provide that tier two instructional model for students. And then tier three takes us to those students that really need intensive remediation and universal skills. They have gaps in their learning, have missed out on foundational learning of reading and math skills, possibly have um, a barrier with language. So they really need, or social emotional skill development, so they need intensive levels of support and instruction, as well as access to all grade level content priority standards. So that's what the RTI system uh, framework, um, how that's explained and the triangle kind of captures that. But we know that we have to have strong tier one core instruction for all students. So then that minimizes the number of students meaning, needing that additional support at the other tier levels. And I had the great opportunity to be a part of the strategic planning process and I got to work on strategy four, which was implementing systems that support our mission and um, our objectives for students. And this is directly tied to that. This is one of our uh, strategic plan areas that we would design a response to intervention system district-wide that met the needs of students academically and social-emotionally with their interpersonal skills. Um, it ties right back into our three objectives, um, as you can see, because it's about personalized learning and what the student needs, whether it be at an intervention level or an enrichment level. It's the expectation that they're college and career ready and they master those academic standards at grade level. And then also that interpersonal skill level and those social emotional skills that we want to develop in students or provide more support if that's needed. So that ties right back into strategy one, strategy two, strategy three, as well as obviously being a key part of strategy four that we worked on. And so um, now switching gears a bit to talk about the, um, the walkthrough uh, model through McCrell. And so we started about five years ago doing, as Dr. Hubbard said, uh, classroom walkthroughs using a, 
um, uh, Google form, which, which we created here locally. And so we gathered some feedback from our principals uh, just last year. And the, the feedback that came back, you can see this is a word cloud that sort of captures all of their biggest ideas are, are in the, the, uh, are the larger words that you see there. But the one thing that they really wanted was um, increased customization, which it's difficult, um, you know, for us to do here internally because of uh, of the, the amount of uh, of work and time that that takes to do that. And then additionally, to have some enhanced um, data reporting. And so, uh, McCrell uh, really did uh, that walkthrough tool did, does allow for that customization and, and measure and, and the. Um, and the data. It also allows you to do it uh, again uh, on your on your cell phone, which uh, we didn't have that capability. And again, as a principal or someone who's walking through buildings, um, you don't always have an iPad handy, and whipping out a MacBook isn't always the most convenient. And so, um, most of us have a phone in our pocket, and that makes it again a little easier for our principals to get into classrooms uh, and and have the tools that they need. It's um, built primarily around the classroom instruction that works, those, uh, those nine instructional strategies that uh, Marzano identified in his meta-analysis um, uh, several years back. And so you can see here, it gives us a way to go into classrooms and to measure, uh, provides us measurement of that snapshot in time to see um, what high leverage strategies are being used in the classroom. It helps us to uh, make professional development decisions as we share this uh, data. Uh, with our building leadership teams and with our staff as we're looking for, uh, looking for ways to uh, increase our capacity as educators. And so this is one of the measures that, uh, that is a big piece of this McCrell walkthrough. Um, and if you think about its uh, support of the strategic plan, the customization is what is so, is so great about this, is that we will be able then um, to look at our instructional practice, but because we have the ability to customize as we identify items in our strategic plan, other measures that we would like to see, um, we could then uh, work with McCrell to add those in as part of our walkthrough so that we would, again, have that data to see, um, you know, what is the saturation point for those things? Are we seeing those things in the classroom? Um, um, and helps us to answer the question, what else? What is the next thing um, to help us then meet these uh, these three critical objectives? And I did want to recognize again that we we did have um, uh, Miss Lord and, and Mr. Last year, I also invited Laura Brogdon. I didn't want to. Uh, she she came out, so I want to thank them for coming out tonight. And if you have any uh, questions about how that works, how the walkthrough has worked, sort of from a principal's perspective, we we thought we'd have them here so they could answer uh, any questions uh, for you in terms of that. And so I'll leave you with. Um, our synthesized mission I, uh, uh, that, that we've developed and would welcome any questions uh, of our team. Thank you for the update. Questions, Mrs. Zila. I would love to hear a principal's perspective of, a, of a, what a walkthrough is like, just kind of, we've got the overall kind of look at this, but that'd be great. I mean, you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Michelle Lord. I thought I would talk about how my staff is utilizing classroom instruction that works and how we like to then utilize the walkthrough model because it really is that snapshot in time. It's a non-evaluative tool, um, but it really is taking that snapshot of what is happening in the classroom and then what can we do to um, increase our effectiveness as a teacher and strive for that student's success. And so, 
Like they said, classroom instruction that works has these nine effective strategies, and John Hattie and his visible learning shows that when we utilize these, they rate really high on the scale. And so my staff, we can all read a book, right? We can read through the book and go through it really quickly. We can read one a month, some read one a week. But we decided that we really, this is important work, and we really want to go slow. So last year, we only got through two chapters. And we recognize that that is okay because when we get done with those two chapters, it should be evident in our classrooms when we walk in that chapter one is setting the objective. So what we did is spend a lot of time on our, our I can statements and student-friendly terms. Um, are, they, are we unpacking those priority standards and what does that look like? Am I setting the objective? Am I, do I have teacher clarity? One of the activities we talked about um, was we just had the teachers draw a house. And then at the end, we said, okay, well, you get two points if you draw a chimney and you two points if you had two windows. But we didn't set the expectation up at the beginning, and so they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. If we are not clear and we don't provide that teacher clarity, it's really hard to set our students up for success. So when we walk, use, utilize the walkthrough, setting that objective, having teacher clarity is very, very important, and that should be evident because we've done that hard work in, in Chapter 1. And then did a Google form to get teacher feedback of what, she, what chapter do we want to focus on next, and then that is cooperative learning. And we know everything in this book is really great, but we want to make sure that when we're done reading it, we can truly apply it and have our students be successful with it. So that's how we would like to utilize the walkthrough model to make sure that we're doing the right work. <laughs> Yeah, and I would add to that that the value of this is it creates a shared understanding or framework for what effective instruction looks like. I think a, a challenge of being at a big district or even a big building is you have in, in Briarwood 27 classrooms, so across a district, th hundreds, thousands, maybe. Um, what are those nine essential effective strategies that, that we want to become the best at in Shining Mission? So to me, it's allowed us to focus on those strategies and then, and then measure them. And I think it's important that we know we use the data to inform, not to judge. And I think as a principal, it's really opened up some great dialogue and discussion around instruction. I think oftentimes teachers will say, hey, if you would just say just for a minute, I was getting ready to do this, this, and this. And those are awesome conversations to have. And when we build that trust and a good culture, then we can have that dialogue about what helps kids learn the best. And I would also add that goes hand in hand with our PLC work, as we're using common assessments to measure student learning. Um, it's also important to be able to attach effective strategies that maybe work better than others. I don't know that I have much to add other than um, looking forward to just the customization that the McCrell offers for us. Like um, everybody kind of said, we, we created our own Google form and kind of our own data collection device, but um, opening that up and being able to customize it to either our strategic plan or to what's best for our buildings or our district or at the secondary level versus at the elementary level like some of my colleagues have talked about. Answer my question about what you were thinking about in terms of customization. I didn't know if there was anything specific that you all had been looking for, but even just the elementary, secondary level would be kind of big, I would think. I don't have anything specific to look at right now other than just kind of what are the building needs as they fit into the strategic plan and um, 
kind of just the different levels and what does elementary need versus what a secondary need. And I think it's kind of been close to the same form at this point up until now. And so now maybe we have the ability to open it up a little bit wider to um, our areas, our levels, and our buildings. I would add to that, um, and, and we don't know what that customization looks like because that's part of the training and teams will help build that. So um, principal teams will help build that because they know what they're looking for in their buildings. But also I think it's an opportunity to us for, to measure portions of the strategic plan. Again, I, I, I'll make one up as far as there's one around um, the curriculum maps. So we might add some customization that would say, was the curriculum map being followed? Was the pacing guide being followed? There may be something around, um, did you see something with um, the, the Corwin training? We may add something like that. But again, we haven't determined what those are because the training would lead us to that, but it would give us the opportunity to sort of um, help us tie back to those three strategies to see if we're getting where we need to be. Mrs. Allison. Uh, yeah, so on the, the power walkthrough system, that's to get our data points to see how we're doing as a district and to, and to set those data points and to be more uniform about it. And it's not necessarily evaluative of the educator in the classroom. This is information gathering and not critiquing so that we can see that we're meeting our goals moving forward. Am I understanding that correctly? That's, that's correct. And um, it also could be used to design professional development that targets where we know our needs are. And, and do we have any reports from educators who have, have used it? I, I mean, all due respect to the principals in the room, I just, do we have anybody from on the ground, like, were they, did they say that it was a positive tool in the classroom that they were able to modify the, or grow from whatever was provided through that? So that, I, I just want to clarify, the actual walkthrough process or the McCrell software specifically? Well... Let's go with Okay, both. so we're, <laughs> we're using the McCrell, not, I'm sorry, we're using a walkthrough tool now since mm -hmm. 2015, yes. Kevin, and this is what our administrators told us last year about that. So generally speaking, um, and I think you heard it here, I think the majority of principals will tell you it's great, and I'm going to tell you as a principal, I used a walkthrough tool. I actually used McCrell's. It's the one that I personally use as a principal, but um, it also... The day, the day is busy. I mean, as a principal, it doesn't matter what level, elementary, middle, or high, the day gets away from you. I mean, you get people pulling you in 20 different directions, and it's real easy not to get into a classroom. And so I loved it because we had a certain amount we needed to do, and it, I scheduled them. So I said, oh, I'm going to do walkthroughs. I blocked out my calendar. I said, I'm going to do walkthroughs during this time. So it was intentional to get into the classroom and watch instruction, watch engagement with kids, knowing that our curriculum was being followed. So um, walkthroughs in general, I would, I would tell you most of our principals, whether they've been here or in other places, have used some sort of walkthrough tool. I mean, it's pretty common, and walkthroughs, um, I remember doing a PDK training in walkthroughs probably 20 years ago. So it's not really a new practice. Um, so most have had experience with that. As far as the McCrell software, I think a large number of us have had experience in that in different places. Um, anybody? Darren, did you use no, it before? We had, we had a homegrown one. Okay. Well, KCK used McCrell. So I, I think um, a lot of districts around us use McCrow. A lot of districts in the state of Kansas use McCrow, as well as nationally. Um, 
one of the things that we've reutilizing I just, in my book is two glows and a grow. And so we know that not only as an administrator going in and seeing a, um, instructional and seeing instruction happen is really getting our staff to want to go in and see our teachers and learn from our teachers and collaborate with them. So. Um, this is something that we're growing with, and we started going in, and it was, you know, it, it was all voluntary if they wanted to go, and then we had teachers who were like, you are more than welcome to come into my classroom. We're looking for specific feedback. We're looking for cooperative learning strategies, um, and then bringing it back, and we leave a little note to GLOWS, two great things that we saw happen in, in the classroom, and maybe one grow of what we could do. So it's not just even for something that we utilize as an administrator, but it's something we encourage our teachers to come along with us and practice the walkthroughs as well and engage in that collaboration because it's not evaluative. Again, it is for just improving instruction, improving um, students, and we need to be able to provide that time for them to collaborate. Thank you. Other questions? Reverend Guy. Um, back on your slide that's titled Research Supports RTI, I don't know which slide that is. Uh, I just want to clarify. So the third bullet point there um, is saying that they have documented that students gain up to three years of academic growth. Is that right? Within so one school year, I'm guessing. correct. Yeah. On, in Hattie's effect size, 0 0.4 is considered one year's growth. So a 1.29 would be three times, or a little bit more than three times that. Uh, well designed and well executed, it's a very effective strategy. And then the fourth bullet point says that it's part of the discussion about eligibility for special education services. Can you describe how that would work? In order to qualify for services under special ed, uh, you have to demonstrate that there's a need. And RTI allows you to document the process that you've used to establish that regular ed is, is not enough, that you need something additional. I think there's one of the big advantages of RTI, of that methodology, when you're using it in, in identification, is it gives you a lot more data on a student, certainly beyond just a standardized test score. So you really begin to understand it. You, you may be identifying a child as needing special education services that actually needs something different from that. So I think particularly when you're looking at over-identification of uh, certain disaggregated subgroups, it, it helps you get away from a practice of, again, going just on a test score, really getting to understand that child. So it's a, it's a very powerful tool for understanding the learner. I think the other thing that I would add to that is when you um, look at the triangle that tier one is all students and then it becomes more individualized as you move to through the triangle because tier two we would be um, enriching or providing intervention for students on their based on their personalized plan but also maybe teaming students together to work on those skills but when you get to tier three they are very much individualized strategic plans on instruction to fill those gaps and closing that gap and that achievement gap for all students to be successful. So it becomes very individualized with teams sitting down with parents and developing those plans for students to really help accelerate their growth so that they can be successful in college and career ready. Other board member questions? Thank you very much. Appreciate this update. I think we all learned a lot.
With that, we'll move on to the uh, consent agenda. We have a consent agenda before us, and I'll first turn to the board to see if anyone would like any items removed for individual consideration. Seeing none, seek a motion to approve. I move approval. Thank you, Mrs. Zelo. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda as presented, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. That passes 7-0. Can we move on to section five? And the first item under our action items of section five is we'll skip down to 5.03, and that is uh, approval of a revised policy. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton to see if there's any uh, clarifications or Mrs. Goodburn either on that one. These are uh, required updates per statute. It looks like in both cases, this is simply a change of a statute number yes. in both of these. Yes. I don't know that this will entertain a lot of debate. I'm going to be uh, really bold. I'm going to be really bold and move for approval. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Mack. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor of approval of the first revised policy under 5.03, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that's approved 7-0. I'll now seek a motion to approve 5.04 policy revision. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor of the revised policy under item 5.04, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that passes 7-0. Um, and we move on to 5.05. I'll turn to Dr. Fulton for an update on this consideration. Okay, thank you. Well, as you know, it's a very exciting time. We are opening our aquatics facility this fall with an anticipated completion date of somewhere in early November. The facility, which is owned by the school district, will serve Shawnee Mission's aquatic needs for competition, training, and instruction. The range of activities will include swimming and diving, along with other opportunities still being defined. The agreement recommended to you tonight is a result of months of hard work by the Shawnee Mission School District team and members of uh, Johnson County Parks and Recreation from their team. Johnson County Parks and Rec will partner with us to operate the pool. And uh, Dr. Atha, Mr. Robinson, and Mr. Kramer are here to respond to any questions that you may have. Any board members have questions about the uh, item 5.05? Yes, Dr. Sinclair. Um, okay, so once this opens, if uh, a parent or patron has a question about the facility, do, who do they contact? Is there a point person at the facility if there's a question or if they want to rent or how does that work? If it's a question regarding wanting to rent the facility, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they would contact Johnson County Park and Recreation and in particular Marshall McKinney and I will be introducing Marshall in a few minutes and he will be the manager of the Aquatic Center. Okay. Thank you. Right. Yes, um, 9.0 on the agreement describes an advisory board. Can you maybe speak a little bit about the role of that board and who might be, how that might function? There will be an advisory board that meets once a month at the facility to actually walk through the facility and, uh, and then discuss uh, the financials each and every month and how we're doing. Uh, the care of the facility, how it's maintained, scheduling, and we'll probably be talking a lot about the agreement itself 
and answering, you know, trying to make sure that we're exerting our due diligence in taking care of that facility to make sure that we're, we're um, protecting the investment that the taxpayers has made in this facility and that we're using it to its uh, fullness. Uh, the members of this, this uh, advisory board, right now it's gonna be four members from the district. Um, Mr. Kramer, Mr. Robinson, myself, and Russell Knapp, and uh, then the manager of the pool, uh, and uh, I believe, I don't know who else from the Johnson County part, but we'll, they'll answer that for you in a few minutes if you want. So, leaving somebody out. Do you think of anybody, Mr. Robinson? I, I, I don't think they've named their members yet, but uh, Marshall will be one of them and probably Ron. Rhonda Pollard. Okay. Other board member questions? Mrs. Mack. Yes, um, I have a concern that I stated earlier um, this school year about the MOU. And I honestly, I'm, I'm looking through it really quickly because I haven't looked at it in a long time. Um, when we were discussing building this aquatic center, one of the things we talked about was replacing, we used to have um, certain schools that took, I believe it was third graders, to our high schools and had swimming lessons free of charge. Um, they were bussed over and um, I remember uh, Shawano specifically was at Shawnee Mission Northwest and those kids, it was amazing for them to learn how to swim. When I read this and I go to 5.04, I think, 5.4, it says JCPRD will work cooperatively with SMSD to develop a plan allowing for all students, which I really like, of a single specific grade level as identified by SMSD to receive swim assessments and or swim lessons at a reduced rate. So help me understand because I thought we were going to have this as part of our physical education curriculum um, of all of our students learning how to swim before high school because when they get to high school, quite honestly, it is very difficult to teach um, kids at that age to swim. Well, step one is to get the facility open and then this year we're gonna work on developing a strategy to identify the best ways to help our students to learn how to swim. And so we don't have that strategy developed yet, but that's work to be done this year. The agreement is flexible enough that we can, we can adapt to whatever strategy or strategies it is that we take. Okay, because when, when, I, when I personally voted for the, that, that was one of the main reasons why I voted for the Aquatic Center, because drowning is the second leading cause of death. Sure. And, all of our students, I would really like for them all to have an equal footing on this base, on to learning how to swim. Yeah, and I think probably uh, this year is gonna be about getting that facility open and getting used to having it, which is good because it will be next year before we'll really be in a place where we can fully implement a program. Okay. Gives us this year to plan. All right, well, thank you. I mean, Mrs. Zeland, did you, was that your understanding as well? Yes, and I've had a conversation with Dr. Fulton about that very same topic, so, yes. Other board member questions? Dr. Sinclair. Again, it's, uh, I appreciate the work that went into this um, agreement. It's very detailed and um, reflects a lot of work, so thank you. Uh, I, one other kind of logistical question, I'm just trying to think of questions from the user perspective is kind of some of the questions I was asking, is do you foresee some kind of 
um, availability, so a calendar of availability. So if there's a, a somebody out there trying to schedule a meet or a club trying to schedule a practice, you know, thinking about the revenue end of these things, would there be a calendar so somebody could look in and say, oh, it is open for this particular weekend and then contact? Uh, Johnson County Marshall's been working on a calendar that he's putting together for okay. the meets and when they'll be open swim and when they'll be different things. So there'll be a, a website set up, whether it be ours or theirs. It might be ours pointing to there, mm -hmm. and that will have all that information. Fantastic. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Right now we have, I believe, in our last meeting we learned we have over 50, over 50 events scheduled. 30-some uh, are uh, swim meets with... Uh, our high schools uh, and 20 some, if I recall, is with outside groups renting the facility to use. Mrs. Hila. Do we have any interest from state or national groups of having a swim meet there yet? I heard a lot of rumbling about that for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, we have. In fact, uh, Marshall's working with the USA Swim, so we've had quite a few um, people. In fact, I think we have like almost 20 meets scheduled outside of Shawnee Mission meets. Great. And we have the Sunflower League meet scheduled already there for both boys and girls. And we have the states going to be touring the building uh, September 10th. And we're looking at trying to host a state tournament awesome. also. That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. It's a beautiful building. It is really coming together slowly but surely. But we love it. It'll be great. Just out of curiosity, how many districts in the state have a facility that is comparable to this facility? None. Our facility is as well above and beyond what Free State has, Lawrence Free State, or what Topeka Hummer has. It's very similar, but they don't have the amenities that the natatorium will have with the air exchange, the sound system, the number of lanes, the depth, and, and all the um, extra things that have gone into that, to that um, facility. So if you're a competitive swimmer, the district for you to be at this point is probably the Shawnee Mission School District? Absolutely. This is the top facility. Thanks. Actually, in the, <laughs> even in the four-state area. Thank you. Oh, in yeah. a four-state area. It's, it's, a, it's an oh. incredible facility. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Other questions? All right. Thanks for the information. I'll seek a motion on the item. So moved. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Any additional questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That item passes 7-0. I'll turn to Dr. Atha for some introductions. Well, we now have a comprehensive management agreement between the two public entities. Uh, Johnson County Park and Recreation approved this agreement at their August 21st me meeting. You know, I, I do want to reemphasize the amount of work that went in to putting this comprehensive management agreement together. It took over two years. If you recall, we had an MOU to begin with, and now we have uh, a, an agreement. It's quite lengthy. I'm sure it is something that we'll improve upon over the, few, over the next few years, but I think it's something that we're proud of at this point. And I would be remiss if I didn't recognize Rhonda Pollard, uh, superintendent of recreation, as well as Marshall McKinney, uh, the manager for the aquatic center as well. They're here this evening, set through our entire meeting, and uh, we thank you for being here and uh, really appreciate the hard work. Everything that we 
everybody was kind of looking at how can we do something rather than why we can't do something. So it's always fun to work with positive people that are, that are looking, uh, looking at the best and looking at seeing how we can improve uh, uh, the offerings that we have for our kids and our community. So thank you. Look forward to the partnership. All right, we move on to uh, item six, and that is board comments this evening. I'll turn to board members for wrap-up comments for our meeting. Yes, Mrs. Owsley. Well, um, I took my friend Nate to enroll in Project Finish today. It was very exciting. The counselor and Project Finish instructor are there, and they are um, willing to assist folks in going over their transcripts to see what they need to complete their diploma here in the district. Um, they don't have to help you, uh, but the Horizons folks are available throughout the process while you take your online classes. You have access to the Horizons computer lab if you don't have access to a computer at home. Um, you just have to take your final at Horizons. Um, and it is possible to complete um, your coursework on your own schedule. So it can take as long or as little <coughs> amount of time as you need. So there's a few more days to enroll. I think the 29th is the last day to enroll for this semester. Um, it was really nice, and I just want to make sure people know it's available, and they can call Horizons if they have any questions. Thank you. Other board members? Mrs. Mack. Um, just very quickly, I thank you for listening about the swimming lessons. I really appreciate that. Um, thank you for all the hard work on this. Um, but most I wanted to ask Mr. Stratton, who said last Friday morning at the Shawnee Missionary Council PTA and President's um, and principals meeting that he would join the first five PTAs that asked him and I wanted to an update on that I'm not good at saying no, so it was actually the first seven that got to me there you So go. Uh, They are now I'm officially a member of all seven. I look forward to attending any and all of their meetings And I got one for Comanche which I joined today. All yes, right. we all I think did you all get that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> Other board member questions how many students do we have that made it all the way through the meeting today? Raise your hand proudly. There you go. <laughs> in a minute, we're going to move a motion to executive session, but I want to recognize those that made it through. And additionally, if you'd like to come up at our break and have Dr. Fulton sign any document that you have that verifies that you were here this evening. And I think in today's world, nothing really happened unless there's a selfie to prove it. And you're more than welcome to take a selfie with Dr. Filton afterwards as well. How's that? <laughs> Put you on the spot there. Any other items? Uh, with that, we'll seek a motion for executive session this evening with a break of 10 minutes. Um, so I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employer-employee negotiations under COMA. And the board will reconvene um, in the boardroom. How long do we anticipate this? How much till 7.30? Is that a 20 minute or? 20 minutes with the 10 minutes added in. At the board will reconvene at 7.30. Okay. And there will be no uh, business. We'll be moving back to executive session on a second item, but there'll be no additional uh, activities after that. I'll second that. Thank you. It's been moved and seconded. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here this evening. It was Sarah. <laughs>